Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T-52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. All right, boys, let's talk about our presenting sponsor, Fabrica 5. Oh, yeah. It's a handcrafted and artisan story with the strong foundation of Rob Isla from Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame with Hamlet Paredes, Master Blender, and Cuban Cigar Legend. Love you, Rob. They're already fantastically priced, but exclusive to Lizard listeners, they can get 10% off Con Anazo 5-packs and 25-count bundles starting right now. Using code LIZARDN6. That's coupon code LIZARDN6. What is Carlos Anzo says it? <laughs> <laughs> you can get worldwide free shipping as well on all orders over $125 US. The website is Fabrica005.com. That's Fabrica005.com. That's right. The more you buy, the more you save. Exactly. And it's important to note, boys, the Cononazo is the same size. Siglo 6. Siglo 6. Can't wait exactly, to try it. From Cohibo. Oh, yeah. These cigars are crafted and refined by feedback from a hard-nosed tasting panel, the FOH community, and customers. That's How hard-nosed you. were you on that tasting yeah. panel? <laughs> yeah. I was pretty hard-nosed. You know, you are an elite insider. <laughs> Right. Did, did you retrohale? I just want to make sure you did. You can literally jump on the FOH forum right now and post detailed reviews that go straight to the powers that be. And you can tell Gizmo every <laughs> note that you got that he didn't Correct. from the retrohale. And Gizmo likes to get calls at 2 a.m. in bed. <laughs> Be part- <laughs> Become part of the FOH community today. Fabrica 5 is direct from the farm in Honduras to your hand, and they ship out of Miami, so there's no customs nightmare, which is awesome. That's awesome. Oh, Pagoda, you're safe. (laughs) Fair enough, you know. (laughs) Again, use code LIZARDN6, all one word, no space, for 10% off Cononazo, five packs, and 25-count bundles starting right now at Fabrica005.com. That's Fabrica005.com. Free shipping on orders over $125 U.S. Must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards Podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo. Tonight, I'm joined by Rooster, Senator, Pagoda, Grinder, and Bam Bam. And our plan is to smoke a cigar, drink some tequila, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 98th official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Plan to meet us here once a week. We're going to smoke a Cupid cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our formal lizard rating. We review the history of Kawaba, we discuss two football documentaries we watched recently, and we answer a listener email about the ethics of both buying Cuban cigars and traveling to Cuba, all among a variety of other things for the next 90 minutes. So sit back, get your favorite drink, Light up a cigar and enjoy as we pair Tequila Ocho Reposado Barrel Select Widow Jane with Coaba Salamones. A double perfecto tonight from Cuba. It's the Coaba Salamon. It's a massive, and boys, when I say massive, this is massive. 57 ring gauge by seven and a quarter inches long. This is going to be a long smoke. This is going to be a long smoke. I'm, my gut says this is going to be a medium affair. 
given how much tobacco's mm-hmm. in here, I'm hopeful that that's the case. That it it's doesn't. It's not kick that us heavy around. though. It's very light. It, it it's is. Light. I'm, I'm hoping the draw is not a problem. Yeah. Uh, some of the reading I did earlier, it does call it a full-bodied cigar. Some of the Uh-oh. language on some sites. Let's Uh-oh. just see. All right. Well, first, let's cut this thing. Light. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Rooster. Heavy. It's actually light. It's it is. Heavy. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, th- there's good. not much tobacco in it. I'm hoping that it has good draw and yep. light affair. We'll see. Mm. See, we're getting oh my cold god, draw. the cold draw is delicious. Mm. Com- oh wow, it's a complete contradiction from the wrapper, and it's wide open. Yeah. Anybody getting peach, fruity? Mm-hmm. That's there. Bizarrely, you're right. Right? Yeah, He's totally I right. Get it. That's strange. All right, now I'm excited. I was very nervous about these, just because this is not a little bit of a commitment. This is a lot of bit of a commitment. I even brought another set of cigars just in case that yeah. this fell on its face. It's also a bit it's ugly. It's a listener secret. It's a bit ugly. Yeah. Not the prettiest cigar. Well, we'll see what happens. It's rustic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, let's light it. The Kawaba Salomon. It's a double perfecto. 57 ring gauge by seven and a quarter inches long. And we're going to light that tapered tip at the end and let mm-hmm. it open up. So the draw might disappear for a little while. And come back. Let's see. These are tricky to light. You know, if you over light it, you're burning the wrapper. Yeah, it's you, easy to burn. Yeah. You just light the tip. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And it always, I don't know, this Fatola always needs a little touching up for me. It's never can get an e- even burn initially. Just just leave it alone. Just light yeah, the tip no, the, and leave the, it alone. The yeah. key with this early on is patience. Slow. It won't burn evenly if you start drawing too aggressively on yeah. it. You've got to just You'll wait and take it slow, yeah. and then once it opens up, once it gets to about like the wide, uh, wider ring gauge, yep. then you should be in good shape. Solid, all the way. solid advice. But I say that because we smoke a lot of the Padron 80th, which is a similar, um, different right. wrapper. That's more. It's got. A, it's a bit more rugged than this. It's yeah, but so the shape sensitive. shape is same. True. Yeah. So the factory code on this thing is BRM March twenty three. So La Corona Factory March twenty three, and you know, we've been smoking younger Cuban cigars, so that's a new thing for us. You know, some of the stuff we've been smoking is six months, eight months, four months old. So for how much tobacco's in this, how big this is, and I would assume how much time the tobacco would need to acclimate to get to a very evened out place as far as uh, humidity-wise, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, you know, the, the four or five months that we've had them in the tower at about 60 it's going to work out. I got to say, it's kind of nice on the draw, the initial draw. Pungent. Yeah, what are you guys getting flavor-wise? This is like very medium, smooth. It's not creamy. Definitely got that that kind of musty, Barnard. ashy, cedary mm-hmm. flavor. There's the, definitely a cedar thing coming off the... Uh, there's some odd sweetness that I get. Every other second, there's like a hint of floral and jasmine. 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 Pretty, pretty good pickups. Jasmine. You're not getting that? I like Jasmine. I like it too. I'm getting it. Are you? I can see it. No, it's all working. These are weird. These are odd notes, but they're mm-hmm. not wrong. Like these are notes, peach, Jasmine. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get some uh, floral. Yeah. But I couldn't pinpoint like Jasmine. Um, you know, it's not my palate. It's not that refined the, like grinders. Like grinders. <laughs> So, Actually, I have jasmine plant at home. It's very refined. It flowers at night. It puts out those white flowers. Yeah. Be- like the scent is, scent is awesome. We have them as well. You do? Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's, you know. Yeah. 
recollect. Yeah, I love this. I'm sure it's going to bomb on me at some point when like it gets ammonia eat, if it will. Hopefully maybe, not. Maybe, I mean, it's just so young. Cube, this is a young. Yeah. This is a very young Cuban. I, this yeah. is the youngest Cuban I've ever smoked. Yeah. Roughly five months old. Five, six months old. But mm-hmm. what I'm finding and why I'm comfortable doing it is, number one, if somebody orders this to smoke with us, this is the box code that they're going to get likely. Yeah. Uh, or close to it. And number two, Cubans have just been smoking so great young. Yeah. You know, you pull, have, you pull the humidity down and we... we the Turquinos. Some, that's the one I was Liguria just going to say. Cubana. We smoked some cigar recently that was incredibly young. Was that a 23? November 22. Okay. It was so, delicious. Still very delicious. Young. So, gentlemen, what's your reco here? Do I touch this up? I'm showing my no, cigar not for, yet. The, for the listeners. Not yet. Not yet? Yeah? I would just I would take wait, a hard, I I would wait till it opens to the full bulb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would take a, a, a serious draw to just try to heat that so that it naturally takes care of itself. I think the other thing that benefits this too is obviously in this blend, it's it's not a strong blend. I don't think there's a lot of Lajero in That's this. That's good. Mm-hmm. Even out. So I think that from a time stamp, you know, time wise, I think that hopefully with this not being a super dense packed cigar and being a medium bodied affair, yeah, hopefully it'll perform all right. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think it's going to be a quick smoke? I don't think it's going to be quick, but I don't think we're going to get two hours out of this. Yeah, that's what with you how s- this is burning. That's what you see on some sites regarding this cigar. Two hour affair. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what we get. Probably an hour and ten minutes. I'm not not familiar with the two hour affair. <laughs> 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 two hour saga. So this cigar was originally released in two thousand three, so it's about twenty years old. It only comes in a dress box of ten cigars. Um, and what's cool about Coab, and we'll get into the history in a little bit, but Quaba was designed to produce Figurado cigars in, in the late 90s. It was the only brand introduced in the 90s uh, after Cohiba. So Cohiba was ni- 1982, officially launched, obviously founded way before that, officially launched as a commercial brand in 1982. And this was the, uh, the successor to Cohiba as far as Habanos launches uh, in 1996. And these are the cigars that they were designed to make. Just Perfectos and Figurados. That's it. You know, it's funny because I I love Perfectos and Figurados generally, but I, I for some reason, have never pieced together that that's all that Quaba makes. Mm, that's true. For some reason, I just assumed they that they only, had other... They only make, I think, three Vitolas, right? Uh, so right now they make they make five or six, I believe. Oh, they they have the Divinos, which is a perfect, uh, petite Perfecto, the Exclusivos, which is just a regular Perfecto, 46 by five and three quarter, the Traditionalis, Petite Perfecto, the Distinguidos, which is the little brother to this, not much smaller. It's 52 by 6 and 3 eighths. And this, the Salomon, 57 by 7 and a quarter. And they have a new release coming. It was announced in 2019, typical Habanos delay, called the Britannica's Extra, which is a 48 by 5 and 3 eighths. It has not been released yet. They have a bunch of discontinued cigars. And what's cool about this cigar specifically, and most of Coaba's cigars actually came from previously released special releases in like special humidors and stuff in the late 90s. So they started with, you know, fancy humidors auctioned off at, you know, Habanos festivals and various things. And then uh, the cigars, I guess, that did well in those or performed well for folks, um, they decided to release them as regular production. The other thing that's cool too is that this brand alongside Cohiba and Trinidad was at launch designed to be a premium brand. It was designed to be up there with the 
you know, core brands, Cohiba, Partagas, Monte Cristo, Upman, hmm. and not regarded. I wouldn't say that, not regarded yeah, such. Yeah. Uh, someone say twenty five years later, someone lost their job. Yeah. So I've had um, the Divino and the Distinguido. Had a box of the bigger one and a Divino. I was gifted. I find they all share a similar trait in that they have a distinct floral note that they all share. It's unusual. Distinguido's got more coffee. This, I agree with Grinder. To me, there's a little barnyard in this and some sweetness. The Divino, it's so small. It's actually quite delicious. It's all coffee and a little bit of floral for me. This is actually my first guava. And yeah. Ever. I think that, yeah. Of any kind. I think I, the only one I've had was the little one, the Divino. Yeah. I think that's the only one I've had. I actually thought when we got these that these were Distinguidos. Mm. And then I was looking at it, I was like, and I was looking at the dimensions of it. I'm like, this is not a Distinguidos. This is definitely a Salomon. And yeah. I actually put it up to the poster on my wall, which is like all the size charts. The size chart. Yep. And I was like, okay, this is a Salomon. This is very light. Um, and mm -hmm. the Retro Hail is oh. where I think you can get a lot of flavor. It's delicious, the Retro Hail. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the Distinguido's got a darker wrapper than this guy. I'm getting such good flavor in the mm -hmm. retro ale. I was talking too much. I got to touch mine up here. I see. I, I, <laughs> I try to retro hail. I see I everyone's that. trying to retro. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what it is? It's I have like, been I have sinuses all the time. So it's like, this is just not a good move for me. But still, <laughs> I've got to definitely try it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a big stick, but it's definitely got a light touch. I can't complain about this cigar yet. Yeah, this is really good so far. Yeah. Yeah. Really I mean, impressive. I and I like the aroma, the aroma on this, like the what do you call that? The the aroma. At the burn line, the aroma burn at the line. burn line. Yeah. yeah. I think the foot smell, you know, the foot smells foot, nice, yeah. the burn mm -hmm. line there. I think the where the smoke's coming off of the head of the cigar smells great too. And the draw it's all lining up for me. It's definitely like I'm just, I'm curious to hear more from the guys with the stronger palates here because this is, this is from 23. This is from March of 23. Well, pagoda. There's youth definitely some youth in it. Like you can you can get some. You can taste a little youth, right? But it's. I mean, it's not bad. Is it, this is the only 23 we have done, right? This is the only. Other. Yeah, this is the only Cuban Cuban, Cuban 23. 23. Yeah, yeah, 2023 we've done. Certainly the biggest Cuban we've done in a long time. I mean, age is only going to help the cigar. But yeah. for, for being so young that it, it is. It could I mean, mellow it's... out the notes as it gets older. So I've had at that box of Distinguidos for a year. Initially, they were pretty hard to smoke. They weren't great. So I tried another few, six months, eight months. <laughs> the last two at the final end of the year, they were actually very good. So I think they need to sit. That line. This one's much better. I yeah, think. I, I will say, I mean, I think you do taste a little bit of the youth, but it, it's like pleasant youth. Like I don't think it's about, bad, yeah. Yeah, mm. like sometimes you have like a young D4 or a young RAS and you're pleasantly surprised. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what I get out of this. Like there's nothing offensive I'm getting at all from the cigar. Not it's not all. like overwhelmed with ammonia or anything like That's that. Right. And I'm just shocked that for, I mean, Kawaba, which I don't have that much experience with, plus the fact that it's not aged very mm -hmm. much at all, it's complex. Yeah, tasty. I mean, I don't know delicious. how many young cigars I describe as starting out as complex. Usually the complexity builds over time, but is not really present right up front. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely complex. I want to ask Pagoda a quick question. So this, you've got a stronger power alley. What do you think of this? As far as the robustness of a cigar, you like a deeper cigar. You know what? I've been really enjoying this. And I think over the last year, I've begun to realize, um, 
actually have begun to enjoy a lot more of the medium bodied cigars as well. Yeah. And I was, you know, I think we were having a conversation with Giz the other day. I said, I'm not reaching on uh, to exclusive roles all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I could pound three of those a day. <laughs> and now I'm just doing, My it, man. you know, now, I'm not, now I do like one at the end of the night or you're, something. You're right? evolving. Yeah, I, I am evolving. <laughs> I'll tell you, that's a great company. Right? Actually, that came up because I asked him, I was like, you know, I haven't seen you smoking Padron Exclusivos in a while. And he said I hadn't been reaching, for, that he hadn't been reaching for them. Right. Because he feels like his palate's kind of moving that's, in a that's more, what happened more, with me though a, a lighter direction. He wow. did light one the other night, and, and he had a big smile on his face oh, when yeah. he said, <laughs> "I hadn't had an exclusive yeah. on a long time." See, that's the because, thing it, of, because then it tastes so good. It's awesome. Yeah. It just tastes so <laughs> every good. time. It's every like time. it makes you realize what the hell you miss. And this like, is like, like the official podcast, by the way, of the Patron Exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it could never leave us, right? <laughs> I mean, we we just never miss an episode. So, what was your journey with that grinder? With what? The, with with your palate adjustment. Well, it was. Or, I had a stronger palate. I like. I mean, I like really, really strong cigars, up until like eight. You know, I would say eight, eight, nineteen, maybe, and then nine, two thousand nineteen. So around right, the eight, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And around the right, pandemic, right when he hit changed. nineteen years old. <laughs> yeah, around then. That's when I was. That's when I started to smoke more. Uh, you know, less, less. You know, less strong. You so know, you full, had an exclusivo body. at nineteen. No, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Let's hit the joke again, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're up, Pagoda. <laughs> anyway, so so I think I think it's just I don't know. Think your palate changes, and and I got more into Cubans with you guys, you know, and that yeah. changed a lot. I think for me, and I mean maybe it's true with everyone. Once COVID hit, everybody was home, so we were smoking a lot more cigars. So when you're smoking like yeah. four or five a day. You can't smoke all padrones back to back to back. Well, you can. So we, I mean, you can. <laughs> other you can, other but. cigars you can. <laughs> padrone you can. That's a good hypothesis. Yeah, yeah I agree. So I, maybe, maybe we were looking for like something a little bit milder, yeah, medium yeah. smokes to kind of build on and then end with a... Or just to kill yeah. the boredom of the well, typical cigar. Right? I'm yeah. glad Rooster said that because now you probably understand. You've heard me on other episodes where I'll say a cigar is just a little too full for my palate because I'm still, even yep. without the pandemic, a four to five cigar a day kind of person. So that's where like too much strength when I'm going to have that many smokes in a day, it's just overpowering where if I'm going to have one or two, then no problem. Right. And that's yeah. where that factors in for yeah. me, the strength. It is yeah. amazing how the pandemic changed your smoking habits. I mean, obviously we kind of bonded through COVID. That's really when this group came well, together. That's true. Welcome, welcome to the Lounge Lizards podcast yeah. where seven guys during the pandemic yeah. look for better <laughs> ways to spend their time yeah. smoking cigars. <laughs> exactly. I mean, some, we should have that good. in the tagline of our <laughs> podcast because it's like it's the you know, pandemic kind of fueled a, a lot of the fire. Yeah. You you were talking about the podcast when over, you know, over, around the fire because yeah. we were distancing and stuff. And yeah, then, we had to sit outside. Yeah. And we mm -hmm. and that's where all those initial you know, really the bonding kind of took place is, is over the campfire over that stuff. And I don't know, it changed a lot. I think it yeah. was the genesis for this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it seems like it's everywhere, right? I was hanging out uh, in another lounge in uh, Long Island and it seemed like even over there, was quite a few of the guys I spoke to, a lot of people's uptick in cigar smoking started around the pandemic. And, yeah. and the thing is now it's become more of a consistent lifestyle where people at least smoke you know, a couple a day at least, you know, which was never like a daily thing for some of them. But it's interesting that uh, COVID did change quite a few things. And the data backs that this up is, too. I mean, yeah. we've talked about the, the rise of cigar imports. We've talked about the the demand on Cuban cigars over the last four years, three years. 
which is, I mean, even think about where Cuban cigars were when we were starting to really buy. And then we doubled down and went crazy buying during COVID. Thank goodness. And then, let me ask you this. You know, do you everything think, changed. Do you think there was a pop in a significant, let's say a statistically significant pop in the number of cigar smokers versus, you know, just the existing cigar smokers buying more shit? I think it was a little bit of both. I think for sure both. Because I think people were bored. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, if you think about even when we were at our a former lounge, once things reopened during the pandemic, there were people who joined during the pandemic that were some like relatively new cigar smokers, some who smoked every now and then, but not really super frequently. Um, I, I think it's definitely a combination of both. I mm -hmm. mean, Puba, I'm pretty sure, joined our old lounge during the pandemic. I and think, said he. Yeah. The Gizmo, only place he could find to Gizmo go to did smoke. as well, didn't you? I joined at the tail. No, I guess I did. Yeah, yeah. Because I joined at the tail, and then Both Pagoda guys. did too. Guys. And Pagoda, Pagoda joined right after me. Yeah. yeah. Time nice. time is like warped to me. It like is. I don't. It is. I can't pinpoint dates and uh, anymore. But yeah, so Puba was there first. You you know, uh, Grinder, uh, Senator, and Rooster and Bam were there far longer than than the uh, the other three of us. Uh, but then I, uh, Puba had joined. I joined. I think two or three months after him, and then. Pagoda joined a month or two after me. And then this all came together. Pretty amazing. So Padron and chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that... <laughs> I, I was... I, 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 we were... Some of us were playing golf the other, the other day, and I smoked a couple of Padrones on the golf course because of all the times that we've been in this podcast and Puba would be like, that's, that's a go-to cigar for a golf course. Like, you know, you could smoke this in a hurricane kind of thing. And I was like, okay, I'm on the golf course. I'm definitely going to smoke Padrones all day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, can't go wrong. Yeah, it worked out well, right? Yeah. Nice, I smoked Padrone. Yeah. yeah. So this cigar is really, really good. How much is this cigar? This is about 25 bucks. What? Yeah. That's it's a lot expensive. of tobacco in this, dude. Yeah. What what Cuban cigar is on? But I think no, I know. Yeah, you're sorry, right. Ben, but I'm that's... surprised by your reaction. Let, let's yeah. just be. Uh, let's understand with the pricing right now. A, a Cuban robusto is twenty bucks. If you want a D4 yeah. Ras, it's twenty dollars. This is under way 20. bigger for twenty five bucks. I think, given where the market is for these, this is a very fair price. Yeah, I just bought a box of Monty twos for just under that. I'd buy that over this. I mean, also sorry, but. You know, obviously, you love the Davidoff Millennium like I do. That's oh, a thirty-something dollar stick, and that's just a torpedo. It's a pyramid. Yeah, yeah, this is bigger than that. And this that's is cheaper. That's true. That's true. So you'll find these anywhere between. I Case mean, closed, Senator. You, you know how, but you know how the, the internet is. You can find these for twenty-five a stick. You can find them for forty-five a stick, right? So yeah, I found them on the lower end of that. You know, you can get them. You can get them really high. Damn, forty-three bucks. Okay, for a Kawaba. Yep. Pagoda, you were, you were going to say? <laughs> no, I was about to say, Bam, I need to know your source for Monty Twos because I think I, was, I paid like 28 bucks. My source? Yeah. He doesn't know his math. Can I just yeah. say something? You guys played the You're same looking amount. at the source. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are the source? No, you're looking at everybody in the room. <laughs> Thank goodness. We lizards take care of each other. Yeah, I'm surprised you found, you found Monty Twos for under 20 bucks a stick. No, it was like, it was 28, 23. No, it was like 675 a box of 25. Oh, so around 27, 28. 27, yeah, that's, like true. 28. that's true. That's yeah. true, yeah. Okay. So, you know, Case closed again. <laughs> going back to the intention of when Habanos formed this brand as a premium brand up there with Cohiba, thinking that they were going to bring the Figurados back, which were, I guess, were very popular in the early, 
you know, 1900s, 1920s, 1930s. They fell off during the 70s especially. And this was their attempt to bring that back to Cuban cigars in Coaba, make it a premium wine. And I just don't what, think it is. What year again no. did you say? They founded this line in 1996. 96. So they... Yeah. I don't know if during the cigar boom. Yeah, but that was the big cigar, like the thick, the sixty ring gauge, popular then. Well, no, but they also launched. You know, this didn't launch till two thousand three. All right, but a lot of the other cigars that they have are you know smaller little perfectos. Yeah, you know, or you know, petite perfectos, kind of robusto length or you know, corona length. You know, um, so it's just it's just interesting that their intention just totally fell on its face, and I look at. Even when you go walk through, we were fortunate to go through Corona Factory when we yeah. were in Havana, uh, the times that we've been there. And it's like, that's where most Coabas rolled. Yep. There's a whole bunch, 10, 15, 20 rollers that all they do is roll Figurados all day long, Coaba. You know, there's a big, you're sitting in the in the, the La Corona boardroom, and there's a picture of Fidel to your left. And in the center of the room are all of the the... Yeah, the, and Kawaba emblem is right in the middle of that's it That's the biggest one that's at right. the top. That's right. So it's an interesting... Yeah. Uh, there's something disconnected there for me. Well... In how they market the brand, the 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 packaging, the the, the bands, and then that. It doesn't make sense to well, me. How, could, it, so how is, CA, how is CA ranked this this line? I don't know if they've ever really given it much attention. That, but I think there's a historic respect for this for this marker maybe yeah it's it's that's really i I don't know i think it's one of the one of the least known brands out of the Mm -hmm. portfolio there's a few that are kind of yeah like out there yeah yeah uh la florida cano fonseca guava fonseca i mean this is around those brands this is you know they call this an other brand now in habano's catalog it's next to Diplomaticos, Rey del Mundo, uh, Fonseca, Juan Lopez, mm-hmm. Florida Cano, as you just said, La Gloria Cubana, which we referenced, the Turquinos we did recently, which, by the way, if you haven't heard that episode, that cigar is excellent. It Check is. it out. By the way, I'm sorry to the listeners who have emailed us saying they couldn't get them because I've gotten a lot of emails saying, Giz, why did you say these were available everywhere for 25 bucks? <laughs> and then two days after the pod came out, they were gone. Because Giz bought them all. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, Por Laranaga, Caidorce, Rafael Gonzalez, San Luis, Saint Louis Ray. I mean, Robania. This is next to them. This is not at the top of that list. Caidorce mm-hmm. is in there though. So like, yeah, it, that is it. We don't know how they segregated or categorized the the. This is an official categorization from Habana. But what's the but what's the other brands? I don't. You don't know the, the logic that went into that. Yeah, is what I'm saying. I don't know what the logic because is. Maybe it was just more heritage brands or something like that or that are more more popular just in media or something and that they said we're going to push this and market it you don't know i mean i don't think i don't think that speaks to the quality of the cigars i'm not commenting on quality i'm commenting on the effort that habanos puts into marketing and pushing these cigars it's just like rooster said i don't think it's very well known outside of you know, uh, aficionados. I don't think you don't really see are, it much, even no. on the Facebook groups and stuff. Very it doesn't true. come up much. I mean, nobody's really. I mean, looking you know, for them. That's right. The various retailers are not sending out emails saying, yeah. "Hey, we've got Quaba. Yeah, <laughs> come and get them. Yeah, come and get your Quabas. It you just know, doesn't happen. There, there is one thing though. When I when I look when I pick this up and look at the cigar. It kind of reminds me of the La Corona factory. Yeah. Yes, it does. Rough and rugged. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Rustic. (laughs) That's a good word, rustic. And this is a cigar that's really only manufactured there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they're very proud. So the, in, in Corona, we talked about it uh, on our recap episode. Go back and I think it was 74 or 76 when we went through the factories. But there's three kind of lanes of rollers. And the Cuaba, the Figurado rollers, are in the middle lane at the very, very front. So when you go through a tour of the factory, you always pass by that specific row of people and man are they proud of these cigars they're rolling they're handing them to you like not to give you but like look at what i've done and yeah. they're very very proud of their work well the shape it's hard. It's, it's hard it's hard, it's hard yeah. to roll this these. is a hard cigar to probably roll. Easy cigar. They, that's probably the best rollers you know mm-hmm. that yeah, are reserved so. for that mm-hmm. this is one of the hardest cigars yeah. to roll yeah. yeah for sure you're 100 right yeah so like when they take the class which is a nine-month class i think they have to successfully roll a petite figurado um, or the per- Petite Perfecto, uh, to pass the class. It's ironic that um, this Vitola is selected for the Cuaba Marca, the most difficult cigar to roll for one of the most... Uh, like underappreciated. Underappreciated Marca, right? Least it's, known. It's ironic. Yeah. I kind of like that. You yeah. know, it's it's a little it's a little bundle of unappreciated. It's There's always a, these gems that you like to uncover. Yeah, yeah. And I like that mm-hmm. it's a little gem. You know, it's it's not. It's like for those in the know, this is a treat. Yeah. You know, but I've also heard that you know through the early 2000s, obviously as uh, Habanos Cuba tobacco went through that dark period of quality control issues and consistency. I mean, this is a box of cigars that I I wouldn't want to gamble on one of these with that kind of uncertainty. But now. Given the recent quality, that's why, you know, bringing these in tonight, you know, I'm happy that they're performing like this because yeah. I very well thought that this could go the other anyway, way just because of... How's this know, changing on you guys? Is it? To me, it's, to me right it's now. earthy. It's very yeah, earthy. earthy. It's an earthy yeah. cigar. Yeah, the uh, fruit notes floral have dropped off a bit. Yeah. And it is earthy. Maybe very, very deep coffee, almost like a bitter coffee. There's a minerality, like. as, as yeah, Ben would go. say. Yeah, uh, this is true. true. But it's still for me enjoyable. Oh, yeah, it's there's definitely some kind of shift, turning up a knob a little bit. I don't know which knob, but something's turning up a little bit, but not much, just mm-hmm. a just a smidge. There's no legato in this. Uh, there can't no. be. Very, you know, there can't be. I think yeah. anything with Lajero is not going to perform this well, young, or with a heavy amount of it. And I think that the density of the the pack inside the cigar is also lending itself to performing well. Mm-hmm. There's just not a ton of tobacco yeah. in this, which thankfully is the case. Uh, not to jump ahead, but yep. the drink that we're drinking with this cigar, initially I didn't like the pairing, but now that it's more minerally for me, the tequila works nicely with it. So let's talk about it. It's the yeah. Tequila Ocho Reposado, and it's aged in Widow Jane bourbon barrels, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Bourbon casks, excuse me. But, uh, I mean, right? what's the story with this? Because I know that it's a, it's a very popular at the lounge here. Can and, I can I just say can I just say before we continue? I'm just taking a whiff of this again after having smoked the cigar for a while. This is perfumey. The the nose on this on the the tequila? tequila, yeah, yeah, it's perfumey. It's like mm-hmm. the floral is really coming out. Yeah, we've talked about tequila ocho. We went to that event. I mean, really, really awesome story here. Um, you can listen to the previous episode. I think we did tequila ocho añejo, right, Senator? Was the one we did on the uh, last time we did this. Uh, we love this brand. It's artisan, you know, Chef Ricky Camacho approved tequila. And uh, this one's very unique because it's aged in those bourbon casks. So what do the bourbon casks do for you guys on this versus the 
The Tequila Ocho Repo. Not a thing. Really? Not for me. I think on the finish, it's it's very different from the other I Ochos. Find, yeah. I find the it's, other ones tastier. They're delicious to me. This one, I don't know. For me, it's got like a little bit of heat. It's okay. It's minerally for me. It works good with the cigar, but I like the others better personally. Is this less floral, more floral? I don't. Or I don't about get the same. Yeah, it's like this is drinking like a blanco for me. Yeah, I. Do you? This was an. This is the bourbon barrel one. You said yes. The Widow Jane bourbon cask. I don't get the bur. Do you get any of that? I. I. It, to me, it just tastes like a good reposado. Yeah, I don't get. Mm. So the difference between the the repo and the this repo in the bourbon barrel, the regular reposado has like citrus notes it's more of like a summery kind of reposado that you would expect what the widow jane does you don't get bourbon notes per se out of this but you definitely get the char from those charred barrels that they use when they age bourbon and you get just like a little bit of that like smokiness so that's what i'm getting exactly that's 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 for me in parts i'm interpreting that as mineral but that's probably what I'm getting. Yeah, the smoky yeah. sweetness towards yes. the end, as yes. opposed to the citrusy orangeness at the other one. That's mm. right. And that's the sweetness from the repo and then the smokiness from that charred barrel. Exactly. So the question is, is how does this tequila pair with the cigar for you guys? Because I think it's actually quite complimentary. I think this is a good choice, Senator. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, this it is works. very intentional. As anytime, obviously, if I, if I suggest a certain thing with the cigar, obviously, it's for a reason. With this... Having not had Coaba, but if you look it up, you do see that it talks about a lot of floral notes. Tequila is probably the only spirit that we would possibly pair that would be floral. Mm-hmm. I mean, a bourbon's not going to, a scotch no. is not going to, a cognac's not, maybe with the exception of Hein. So, um, I mean, it wasn't really a hard gamble. It, it, it had to it's at least great. somewhat pair well. It's yeah. perfect. So let yeah. me ask you this. The normal repo, which we haven't done on the podcast yet, I'm assuming at some point we're going to do it. You're saying it has the more citrusy type notes how do you think that would pair with a cigar like this versus the Widow Jane? I actually think this pairs a little bit better with it because I'm not getting just like sweet notes out of this Kawaba. No, it actually dissipates after the first inch. Right. Like th- there's some, we talked about like the barnyard, the mm-hmm. mustiness, like because that is there. And the minerality. I think that it lends itself well to this with the Widow Jane Barrel. Yeah. I think that if this didn't have any of those kind of barnyard musty notes and it was just like sweet and floral, mm-hmm. then I think it would be perfect for the regular repo. But given the way this is, I, I think it works better yeah. with this one. Yeah. I think that sounds like the regular repo would do better with like the K Dorsey's. Yeah. You're the, uh, good call. the Schwa good Supreme call. Or, or LGC. Schwa Supreme, Supreme for sure. Or, yeah. yeah, the Turquinos would be good floral. with this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. An MDO would be great with that. Oh, yeah. So like I said, we recently did Tequila Ocho, so we're not going to go through the history of the brand again. So if you're interested in that, go back to that episode uh, and check out the Tequila Ocho Añejo. We did a, a little bit of a deep dive on the uh, on the Ocho brand. But uh, boys, I you know we're about we're into the second third now with the cigar, about a half hour into the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very very happy with how this cigar is doing right Same. now. Same. You know, and I think I think it benefits from pulling down the humidity, sitting at its, you know, 60% for as long as I did, probably about what, two months, I guess. Um That's a good move. They've been just sitting loose in my tower like that. So again, I cross my fingers, but I'm just I'm a big believer in young Cuban tobacco right now. And and the question I want to ask, going back to the earlier comments about tasting youth, I don't know if I'm tasting youth or if I'm 
there, if there's just an absence of age or there's an absence of that kind of mustiness that comes with aged tobacco, I mm-hmm. don't think I'm getting what I would get a lot of times, especially from a Cuban that's really young that has that oomph that really knocks you around and kind of throws you off kilter, you know? I don't think I'm getting that in this. So I just think it's an absence of age. Is that a crazy statement? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just find aged Cubans to be creamy, right? There's a creaminess to an aged aged Cuban. You're not getting that in this cigar. But there's just something, for me, I'm capturing the minerality of this cigar, which I really like a lot. Um, it, it, I don't think it tastes young. That's an ambiguous term for me. I don't know what young is, but I know what older and aged cigars are, and they're creamier for me. I think older. you nailed it. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. I'll just say about this cigar, I think early on I said I was tasting some of the youth, not in a bad way, but just that it was present. But once you get about a quarter of the way in and beyond, I feel like any of that youth I was getting has actually kind of dissipated. He's right. And this is smoking now more like a cigar with a little bit of age. It's nice. Like it's yeah. smoother than it started. Yeah. And I feel like the flavors are a little more concentrated than yeah. when it started. It's less pungent. I happen to like a pungent cigar. The first quarter of an inch was really nice and pungent barnyard fruit notes floral it was really special but that's gone now it's gone totally gone but i think senator nailed it it's actually settled in beautifully and it's really nice and consistent like i find it to be sweeter at this point there is a little bit more sweetness on the back end for me and i'm also getting like like you said rooster there it's just really earthy Mm -hmm. and it's it's a nice earth though because i think like if you think about a cohiba type earth at this young it's unsmokable it's not that that cigar's unsmokable I mean, if you told at me this, this was a stage. 23, this is a March 23 cigar, I, yeah. I wouldn't buy that. Yeah. I would say it's at least a couple of years of age yeah. on this. Yeah, Agreed. I agree. So there's a couple more interesting things about the history of Kawaba. Like I said, founded in uh, November 1996, simply in an effort for Habanos to bring back Figurados into the catalog because they were completely absent for quite a, peri- uh, quite a period of time. The first brand founded since Cohiba in 1982 or launched, I guess I should say. And then the successor to this brand, as far as launch, was San Cristobal de la Habana, which, as we know, was launched in 1999. What I think is really, really cool about this is that when they launched this brand, every cigar that they released had a different, a slightly different shape because they didn't have the molds hmm. for Figurados in Habanos. It took about a year after the brand was launched for them to actually create molds to create a consistent product. So hmm. the early Kawabas that were released in 1996, 1997 were very inconsistent. Interesting. In size. I mean, it's just kind of relying on the eye and of, of the roller. I'm were not the- sure I'm convinced they're currently using molds. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I just say that because like one of the things that's very sad for me, again, this is my first Kawaba. I'm actually really enjoying this. This is a very good experience. But we're talking about why Kawaba is not regarded the way that they clearly intended which was to be this really premium brand yeah and i can only speak for myself but the reason i haven't really chased or pursued kuaba is you just look at kuabas in a box and they look to me very uneven they're not premium for them the wrappers are i think right when we got these i think grinder commented and said this is a very veiny cigar the wrappers aren't particularly nice and it's ironic to think that they 
thought this would ever be like a Cohiba, where when we've been at El Aguido, the wrapper matters so much, not for the flavor, but solely to just, just for the look, look beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that you open that box of Cohibas and say, wow, look at those cigars. I mean, this is the polar opposite of yep. that. There's nothing visually all that appealing about this cigar. Now, what I'll give the rollers at La Corona credit for, this is an extremely well-rolled cigar. Yeah. It's burning perfectly. I mean, it look at the ash it's on unbelievable. this. It's perfectly I, straight. I, I kind of like it. goes to its gem persona. It's that little gem. It's got you know, it's got that rough edge. It's yeah. not. It doesn't look sexy, but damn, this is d- pretty good tobacco. Yeah, and, 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 you know, what it comes down to for us always is performance. Yeah. And yeah. despite what DI says, I mean, obviously, if you're buying a Cohiba at $100 or $200 or $600, some of them, obviously, the intention it, there is it's it like a be, Louis, yeah, It better it's like, be beautiful. It's like a Louis Vuitton bag. Yeah. That, you know, that's their intention is to make mm-hmm. it absolutely perfect. The only thing I will say, though, why I'm, I'm not – it's not easy for me to overlook these flaws I'm talking about is because it's not the case that Cohiba is like dramatically priced less than a lot of these other brands we like, like yeah. Partagas or Upman that's or true. QD or you name it. And so if you're going to charge a premium price, I mean, you know, Bam's Reaction, $25, that's not a cheap cigar, no, right? That's a premium cigar. And so if you're going to charge that price, I would like to see a little bit more effort made to make it also visually look deserving of that price yeah, point. Yeah, and part of my reaction, I guess there's a stigma on that marca and some of the other marcas that we haven't dived into for a reason. Maybe we all have some kind of stigma against those brands, but... You know, that's why I reacted that way with the price. Yeah. No, you're you're right. But I mean, yeah. we, you know, some of those other brands that I mentioned that we haven't done, they're coming up, you know. I, oh, we uh, need to do them. I just bought yeah. a box of uh, a new release, Rafael Gonzalez for nice. us. Nice. Um, that's coming up. We're going to do, you know, we're going to do the Sancho Panza. We're going to do another San Cristobal down the road. We're going to do a Vegas Robania. I know we love that market, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot more coming mm-hmm. from these lower tier brands in the catalog. So, you know, like I said, from a performance standpoint, this young stuff is is really doing great. The yeah. the issue that I have is if this is twenty five dollars you know, for a quaba or more or more, yeah. you know, we probably you got it at a great price, so it's probably more like about thirty thirty five maybe. How do you compare this? Like, there's a lot of new world sticks out there, like Davidoff's for like thirty bucks <laughs> that, are, that are beautiful, and, yeah, and the wrapper's yeah. beautiful. They're they're consistent. consistent. The flavor, I mean, the padrones. I mean, and they're beautiful I mean, to look at. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you have. <laughs> unavailable. And available. And available. And re- readily and available. available. And, uh, you know, I mean, they, I mean, I think they're much better. They deliver much, much more than this does. Yeah. But the flip side of this cigar that we're reviewing, you know, it's great that we're going into this world of the other brands, right? The Habanos classifies as other brands. We're going to be surprised, I think, by this rating. And we're going to find more surprises. Yeah, which absolutely. is a great journey. It's an awesome journey. I also think to like defend Coaba or at least this cigar. I I can't really speak for the whole line. This is more complex, honestly, than a lot of other New World cigars that we may compare this to in its price point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I love a Davidoff Millennium. I would argue this has got much more complexity of flavor than Davidoff Millennium. He's does. absolutely he's right. 100%. So yeah. like I yeah. do think it has to get some credit for that. Now yeah. I again I'm the one I'm just as critical as you are on the presentation. I think that the wrappers need to be better picked. I think that the packaging sucks. I would love for them to honestly like, you know, redesign the bands and the boxes like many brands have gone through over years time. 
But Every, I will say the complexity is there. I mean, that that yeah. is what you're paying some of that premium but for. But as yeah. it stands right now, you would pick this over a Davidoff Millennium Pyramid? <laughs> to me, they're not competing for the same slot. It's a completely exactly different right. Yeah. It's a different cigar. The, the flavor profile for, is so dramatically different. Yeah. I would never be looking for no, these I'm at the same. I'm just strictly by price point. Uh, again, I, mean, it, I, I would. they're never, it's not an either or, it's an and for me. So yeah. like this would slot. In it's an earlier time of right. day, in a well, way that a millennium yeah. would never for me. That's true. Yeah. And the millennium would slot at a later time of day mm-hmm. in a way that this never would for me. So yeah. they're never competing to me at they're, all. They're black and white, really. The, yeah. other, the other thing that I think from a presentation standpoint of the cigar, not only from what we're talking about, the visual look of it, which, you know, like I said, we get down to performance, we kind of forget about the look of it. But when you're looking at it, you know, at the rollers table at, at, at Corona, or you're looking at it in the box with those kind of gross kawaba red brown bands on them mm-hmm. the box itself it's not a cigar that i'm excited to hand out to my friends you know yeah. it's not a cigar that i'm going to walk in and go guys let's get excited about this cigar now for the lizards for us i'm going to say guys forget how it looks you're really going to enjoy this cigar but yeah. if you're pulling this out for some friends somewhere mm-hmm. i mean not only is, is it a time commitment it's an odd looking cigar it's imperfect looking but mm-hmm. The presentation overall is just kind of mediocre. Yeah, there are seven dollars cigars that have a nicer presentation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The Papas Fritas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is um, this is really good, but I just I'm not going to bring a box of this and sure hand it out to friends. Well, I don't think you'd ever hand a Figurado to a novice cigar guy. A little one, I would. I don't know. They burn. They're difficult to smoke. If you smoke them too fast, they'll be uneven. If you smoke them too slow, they go out. This is that, burning great. Figurado is spam on that. Yeah, that's more of a so you think cigar a, guy. so you think a Figurado of any size is a more advanced cigar. Oh, hundred percent. I just think it cannot be to a beginner or novice smoker who, who has not smoked that many cigars. That's right. Because to me, you're setting that person up to fail. I mean, look at us. Even as many cigars as we smoke, and we're sitting here like you know, it, it, should I touch this up? Is it drawing right? Should I? Do you think it's going to open? Should I cut more? How many times have we all had these conversations mm-hmm. smoking a Figurado? And we smoke a lot. So I just think for someone who doesn't smoke often, yeah. it's not easy to successfully smoke a Figurado. Yeah. Yeah. They really might start off cutting the wrong end to begin with. <laughs> you, you, you've personally witnessed this yeah, before. Well, of what? course, of course. Yeah, I, I, sh- I shouldn't be saying in case uh, people listen to the pod, but I've had people cut the wrong end of the cigar a couple oh, of times. Right. Tell and, us about that. Recently, right? And, yeah. yeah, and it's um, firstly, it, it, it's really frustrating because when you're handing out good cigars to people who claim that they smoke cigars, and they cut the wrong end <laughs> in a new world. Now, are oh you polite? Goodness. Are you polite and don't say anything, or do you correct them immediately? I correct them immediately. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's that's how it should be done. How do you even make that mistake? Like, what? Do you, what's the cutter for? That? How about this? It's not once, <laughs> twice within three or four weeks. I said, "All right, this is it." And are you are you giving this person like a robusto or like a toro? Yeah, or something? like uh, my which one I've, end you, is closed, one end is open. You know, I've handed him dominicanos. Come on, oh, you know, gosh. you know how hurt I was. It's like an arrow through the heart. You need to Absolutely. give him a southern draw, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they need. <laughs> All right, you know, it's it's like I I think people should stop claiming that they smoke cigars frequently if they don't know which end to cut. That's uh, just, <laughs> that's a take that away. is a good barrier to entry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the name Kawaba is actually pretty cool. It was it's refers to a wood a type of wooden torch used by the 
Taino Indians. I don't know how to pronounce that. Taino? Taino. Taino, which the Taino is the Cohiba head. That's the Taino head uh, that they've had, you know, forever uh, in that brand and in other cigars too before Cohiba. But, um, and they say the Cuban people still use them in the countryside today. So this is named after a torch, a wooden torch. You know, the other thing that's that's odd as I'm thinking about this, and we're talking about kind of how Cuaba is regarded, I have never met a cigar smoker that has told me they love Cuaba. And I just say that because why do we try cigars, right? You, someone you trust introduces you to them. That's how we have found every single thing we smoke. And this is just one brand. It's very yeah, odd. Like It's not you ubiquitous, know, right? And, and you guys even have, you know, we all, each of us has like a random brand that we found that's not that popular that we happen to like, that we've shared, and some of us like it, some of us don't. I just have yet to meet yeah. someone passionate. Well, I'll tell I, you what, I, I, I think, I think some of that. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Yeah, uh, I think some of that goes to, like, cigar smokers are very traditionally minded. Typically, like, there's a traditional traditional element to it, and these are newer brands, and it just got off to a, like a not as great of a footing because it's very traditional brands that they marquee, right? Very old school brands. So I think that didn't help. And I think as, as time goes on, a lot of it is, hey, you hand down cigars from your, you know, your father or your mentor or something, mm. and they're giving you these old-time cigars. And it wasn't heavily invested in. It wasn't marketed. This is, not, there, a, this there is newer, not a new brand, though. Yeah, there, is, are, there are newer brands that I feel like I see people smoke more. said this is 96. More. 96. Yeah, so but name, I mean, there were brands you just named that came out after that even. San Cristobal de la Habana came out in 99. Right. Yeah. People yeah. smoke. I, I've seen people recommend San Cristobal way more than I've ever heard anyone recommend a Cuaba. Maybe the size just intimidates people or the shape. Could be. You know, to go back to our, our previous discussion. That's, I mean, that could be true. I mean, yeah. not everybody wants to smoke a Figurado. Yeah, especially yeah. a big one like this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Distinguidos, which is pretty I mean, damn close. In the size. fact that we yeah. reviewed a La Punta before this cigar, <laughs> and none of us liked it, right? But we had heard of it more. Like that's yeah, my, it's like other people talk about some of these other small brands in a way that people just for some reason. That's don't true. Talk I mean, nobody about talks about Quaba, right? No. Yeah, you see no. it very, very no rarely. One. I mean, we you know we, we've sat in Havana. I even there, no one is sitting there saying yeah, like that's true. And we heard some odd things, right? Like you remember we're sitting there and uh, this nice guy we met uh, was talking about how much he loves the Oyo Rio Seco. Mm -hmm. It's a very polarizing cigar. There are a lot of people that hate that cigar. Not something that I pursue, but I was like, okay, interesting. Good to know that, you know, there are some passionate fans of that stick. Yep. Even if I don't really think it's for me, I've just yet to meet a Cuaba person. Yeah, yeah I've not true. met one. And even in Havana, yeah. I don't see anybody smoking this cigar. Or, yeah. or, or a any Sancho Panza person or yeah. the Fonseca. No, but the, even Sancho Panza, like we, a guy in our lounge, I think Rooster helped procure some for him. Mm. He sings its praises. He loves the, oh, that, the uh, non plus. Oh, the non plus. So and the Bellicosa. That and the Bellicosa. Oh, that's oh, interesting. The other one. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. People chase the really aged Bellicosas, especially. There's something about 10, 15 years of age on those that really make them pop, I guess, that. People really chase those. But again, you don't see those stories about Kawaba. So a couple other things uh, to note that I think are pretty cool. Like I said, the Salomon uh, for Kawaba, this Figurado shape, was originally released in a special humidor in 1999. And this is where it started. And then from there, they released it four years later as a regular production cigar. And the final thing that I've found to be very interesting is unlike all of those other markers that I listed in the other category, Quaba is not designated to ever have a regional edition release. Hmm. There will never be, apparently, something. from Habanos, 
there will never be a regional edition Kawaba. Hmm. There'll be never, a, you know, no Cuban Figurata will come out as a regional. Yeah, honestly, that doesn't break my heart. The regionals aren't <laughs> something that I chase. So I don't think any of us do, but yeah. it's pretty interesting, right? Why do we think that is? Yeah, that's I don't unusual. know. That's odd. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe they're seeing that the shape. I'm. I'm just as we're recording, kind of <laughs> cementing my brain to think that this is an intimidating sh- uh, but size is, of or shape of cigar for people. Isn't maybe. the Hoyo? Uh, which one is that? Escogidos. Escogidos. That's a double it, Corona, I believe. It's a double Corona. It's mm. not a. It's no, but there of, there is some Hoyo. Rooster's some, right. Yeah. We reviewed it. That was the one that wouldn't oh, smoke yeah. for me. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's a figurata. There's a figurata. Right? Yeah. It wasn't, we didn't keep that was it was an LC, LCD. Yeah. Elegantis. Yes. That's, that's right. a perfecto. It's not a figurato. Yeah. Same scored, family. Scored it's a taco. Yeah. Uh, it was an LCDH. But I guess maybe just in the Kuaba family, they will not introduce a regional. There will be no re- regionals no from Kuaba. Interesting fact. I mean, it's a shame, honestly, because there are other brands that get regionals that I really don't like, and I actually like the flavor I'm getting out of this. I wouldn't be opposed to trying a Quaba regional. I mean, if Habanos really wants to market it, why not do more regionals of Quaba? They may not want to market it. (laughs) Why? I don't know. It's like, I own a business, but I don't want to market the product. (laughs) We're keeping it in I'm just going to keep it. (laughs) Let's not apply logic to Habanos' (laughs) decision-making. Let's not do that. Maybe there's only so many marketing dollars they have to go around and they feel like they're going to get their biggest bang for their buck with those those brands. I guess, but I mean, if you're trying to, you have a special shape that these are rolled in, why not market that? Maybe there is a market for that. And maybe if you do regionals, that's one way of putting them out there more in people's faces and more people would try them. Yeah, good that's, point. That's and a also, factor. Also, don't forget too, you know, what did I list off? Six or seven Vitolas in this market that are currently active. Mm-hmm. And you look at Ligoria Cubana, yeah, two. which has two, yeah. one of which is a new release that's really hyped and yep. is, ev- you know, everybody's talking about that Turquino cigar. You know, that's very contrary to, you know, what, what's going on here. Like they're trying to revive that brand and this one's being ignored. Yeah. The whole thing is just frustrating because I, I am genuinely enjoying this cigar. Yeah, it's great. I actually wish that they would put some more effort into the packaging, everything, marketing it, giving it a regional. I just can't believe I all these years is the first time I'm smoking one, and mm-hmm. I, I I like it. There's nothing wrong with these cigars nothing at all. Nothing at all. Not yet. Definitely a, a, a good cigar for the afternoon deck, Manny. Yes. Oh, yes. The, afternoon. Yes. the problem yeah. is, is do you really want to pull out a cigar this size at 3 in the afternoon? Correct. And yeah, why not? On a Saturday afternoon? If you're why? done with I'm work, why not? I'm serious. Yeah, why that's not? true. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, you you light up a Lucy on an afternoon. What's the difference? Well, Giz lives a leisurely lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very leisurely. Okay. So speaking of going to Cuba and uh, Cuban travel, we have a listener email that I wanted to share with you guys and uh, see what uh, kind of answer we can get for our friend uh, Lizard Luigi. He says, hey, Gizmo, uh, I'm listening to your Cuba episodes. Um and I just wanted to thank you for bringing all that stuff for the people and the children that you guys brought. Toys, hygiene products, and clothes are all stuff that they desperately need. However, I cannot help but think that every box of Cuban cigars we buy, we empower the government to keep enforcing these assistive policies. And I'm a culprit. I just want to know how you guys navigate that where you can still buy the cigars and not feel guilty about it. Should I feel guilty smoking these cigars? I appreciate the input. It's a tough decision. It's, you know, we love, we love the Cuban marcas. It's part of our life. Difficult to say no to them. That's a heavy question. Very heavy. 
the way I look at he's it, he's not is, wrong. The way I look at it is obviously the journey into Cuban cigars, you know, and loading up our towers like we all did, and then getting the the, the you know having that oomph to go to Cuba and experience it and meet the people. For me, really changed my perspective on the whole thing, mm-hmm. similar to what Luigi's saying. But mm-hmm. now it's like I look at the opportunity to go there and actually directly help people, which we've been able to do in ways that we talked about on the pod and ways that we did not, you know, you're, you're able to do so much good for people that that's, that's the why for me now, even the cigars I'm smoking now, a lot of them don't have bands on them, you know, that, that, that you're getting out of Cuba. Like there's wonderful cigars that are coming out of Cuba. They're not from Habanos. I'll just say this. I mean, the thing as I've, we've had this exact, debate even before we went to cuba and certainly when we got back the thing for me is us stopping buying cuban cigars to me is just not at all helpful to a problem of people getting paid a living wage there or changing anything if we stop buying cigars what the cuban government's all going to say all of a sudden going to say we want to pay people more no they're not not at all they're going to say we want to employ more people. No, they're going to cut jobs. If we're if we're buying less cigars, I mean, one of the encouraging things, at least, you know, we visit these factories mm-hmm. and they're talking about their growth plans to train all these new rollers and yeah. have, you know, increase their capacity by 2030, all these goals they have. Mm-hmm. That's more jobs now. Is that a living wage? No, it's disgraceful what these folks are paid. It's However, true. the alternative oh, is them making nothing. It's much worse. But- and it's getting even harder for them. So I just personally don't view our purchase of Cuban cigars as at all solving for, or lack of purchase as at all solving for the problem of right. folks getting a living wage there mm-hmm. and, and being employed. I just think it's, that's not what at all addressed that. Sure. There are other things that can, and I, I don't just don't see it as that. One interesting thing though, at a more intimate level of detail, the workers in the factories, what did we notice? They're respected. They're taken care of at Iligido. They were given a lot of additional produce, things like that, to support their families. They're probably paid additional depending on how much work they want to work, right? They're paid by the, by the volume of cigars that they make. Those workers are happy, Pagoda, but they're also, you know, they, they have a sense of accomplishment because they're making the marquee Cuban product. But right? I think I think but they're the, also very well taken care of. I think I think I think that we should put an asterisk on that because yeah, of course, I think a of course. number one, we're a bunch of Americans rolling into their factory. Yeah, they're not, they're putting on a show. You know, whether they whether I, whether I it's a hundred percent of a show, I don't know or twenty percent. I think that we have to assume that these folks are going home and they're still struggling. I'm sure there's they no are. question about sure. that. So I think that that's a that's a difficult yeah. you know that's certainly a difficult thing. And and mm-hmm. like Senator said. You know, it is a sin what they're paid. No question about that. But I don't think that our buying these products or not buying these products, it's a pittance. Of, it's not going to change. It changes nothing. Yeah. It's an internal thing that the government, the regime, I mean, they have to, that has to change for the end result to change. And here, By us buying Cuban cigars or not buying Cuban cigars, sure. it's not going to make an iota of difference. But here's, yeah. here's, I'm sorry, here's what will make an impact. Because of what we're doing right now in this recording, just talking about it, as this podcast grows and maybe other podcasts grow and develop and have the same conversation, maybe that continuous conversation that happens nationwide or globally, that'll start to resonate. And I think with that, there could be some potential change. No, but I also maybe. think that, you know, they're employed, right? Yeah. You, because of the demand, 
they're employed and as the demand continues to grow, you'll have more employment there because like we visited Corona and he mentioned that he wants to expand the number of employees. Uh, so there'll be more and more people coming into the workforce, good or bad, you know, forgetting like, you know, I come from India and in India uh, at one point in time, I think uh, the average, the uh, you know, wage was 200 bucks a month or something like in terms of, you know, uh, uh, the average salary over there. And now it's gone to $2,000 a month or something. It's the same. You know, it's just that over there, things are accessible at a cheaper price for those people. But, you know, having a job and feeling a sense of accomplishment and contributing to society and being a, you know, contri contributing member of the society is more important. We're not here really for political agendas anyway. You know, uh, it's a part of me feels that uh, I don't feel guilty at all. In fact, a part of me feels that whatever little we can do to continue this, uh, you, you know, uh, activity up and, of course, uh, you know, be cognizant of what's really going on. And at the same time, in a way, Buzz, uh, you know, continuing to purchase these cigars uh, really does help keep employment there. So, and, and I think it's important to know, too, that, that my vision of the podcast and I think our collective vision, especially after having visited uh, Cuba, is to push as many listeners to, to make that journey and go experience the, the motherland of this thing that we love and meet these human beings yeah. and do your very best to impact them. I think that's, I think that's the move. I, I would also just add on what Pagoda is saying about employment, that the type of employment that this provides there, I firmly believe, and this is a res direct result of the individuals who run these factories that we've spent a lot of time with, the conditions are much better there than many jobs that still pay, unfortunately, so low. Yeah. But what they would have to endure there. I mean, you know, Ben was mentioning, you have workers who bring stuff for other people, you know, the gifts that we give, they try to distribute them out, you know, evenly into people who need them. Like, it's like a family yeah. at these places. Yeah, yeah. And even in America, right, there are a few workplaces that we would truly describe as a family, right? Like, it's all about how much you can squeeze out of the worker yeah. globally, everywhere. And it's very refreshing to see that despite how little these folks are making, they're at least treated with dignity and mm -hmm. respect exactly by right. the people that are running those factories. And that's not the Cuban government that's running that's them. Right. Yes. Those are real people that have a great heart, great intentions that we've spent a lot of time with. And I'm at least glad to see them have those employment opportunities as opposed to you know, some, some of the even more labor-intensive things that they could be doing mm -hmm. where they could be treated like absolute garbage. Yeah, yeah. and as, as Habanos or these factories make more cigars, they're going to need more rollers. So yeah. they're going to they're gonna need more training. They're going to be more trained rollers. And maybe one day they can get out of Cuba and go to Nicaragua, go to uh, Honduras, go to Mexico, and maybe roll cigars there and make much more money than sure. they do now. Sure. And who knows, maybe they can, you know, one day create something of their own. Yeah. Yeah. But but my perception was that leadership really takes care of them, right? Yeah. They have those currently, parties. Currently, yeah. Yeah, they have those parties, they have those events. They have those extra eggs. <laughs> I, and I, we tied, we, you know, we tied those things together. I think that, you know, I, I think the recent quality improvement in Cuban cigars, the consistency, I think, is a direct result of, you know, an improvement in leadership on the ground level, not high, you know, not high level leadership, but in those factories. As yeah, Senator we're said, we're smoking I think that, an example right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is March twenty three. I was, I was just gonna, at this point, probably echo everyone's sentiment on this, but the. 
you know, revolutionary change will not be done on the battlefields of the tobacco industry for Cuba. Okay. So like if you have any kind of altruistic bone in your body that thinks it would be, maybe you should check yourself a little <laughs> bit. I don't know. But also this is something they're very proud of. It's a gift that they have that they want to share with the world. And if, if you're not helping support that, you're not actually helping support the people. It's That's something right. that is part of someone else mentions part of their culture. It's part of the Island. It's part of who yeah. they are. And they're sharing it, okay? Whatever way they can do it, they're making it happen. Right. And another thing to consider is these people actually have great jobs. And the, and and they're a small subset of all, all Cuba. So there's a lot of Cuba that have nothing to do with tobacco, that are living a life that has nothing to do with the tobacco industry. And, and, it's, and it's not great. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of frame it up. You know, from that perspective, as and you well. cannot understand the culture in Cuba unless you go. If you have not gone there, go. yes, by by living in this country, you you don't understand Cuban culture. You don't understand the generosity of the people. You don't you don't understand the, how they live. You know what they do in their daily lives. I mean, we were walking on the in the streets, and people would just invite us to their house, like come. Come join us. Like, who does that? Nobody. No, people to here don't do that. No. I mean, I barely know my neighbors. I don't know my. I would. I don't know yeah. my neighbors. Like, they're directly next to me. There, I mean, everybody knows each other. You You're not a friendly guy, street. dude. <laughs> 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 Gotta be said. Sorry, man. <laughs> so I would say, I mean, like, pack your bags, go to Cuba, learn the culture, experience the culture, go there, smoke cigars, bike. Buy custom roll cigars if you really want to yeah. help out the economy. Yeah. Um, and on exactly that. The fact that this is an industry there that you can go and experience firsthand and directly help people within, mm -hmm. like people who are picking fruit, people who are doing some of these other labor-intensive jobs in Cuba, there is no tourism going to visit these folks while they're doing their jobs that's giving them extra money, that's providing clothing if they need it. You know, We're bringing suitcases worth yeah. of stuff to give to folks there. Those other jobs, they don't have that that same access, right? So I think some of these people that are in these roles, thankfully, again, it's not. Uh, we're not trying to at all suggest that these are we're not painting a rosy. These picture. are not great, yeah. amazing jobs, but there's more opportunity within them mm -hmm. than countless other jobs that they could be doing in Cuba. Yeah, Ch it, Ch charity, uh, charity is not a, a quid a quid pro quo, and it is not black and white. Right, you can be charitable. And not have any agenda, and you, the fact that we have to define that is is upsetting in in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, sorry to interrupt. Well, our yeah. only agenda is that we happen to love what they make, right? Yeah, and and again, what we've learned is that we really love that culture that Brewster just talked about. The people that we've met, it's my favorite place on earth. Sure, like hands down, anywhere I've visited, I've been very lucky to travel a lot in my previous professional career. Um, it's my favorite place in the world, mm -hmm. hands down. I love it, and I can't wait to go back. And yeah. I think that that to me is is everything about Cuban cigars now is it, it's changed my full perspective simply by getting on a plane and landing at that airport and experiencing Cuba. I'm ready to book another trip. <laughs> Let's go. I'm ready to go tomorrow. Total BN, baby. All right, boys, we're into the last, uh, I would say last third here. We're coming up on it of the Cahuaba Salamones. What do you guys think? Still very good. Mayan's performing wonderfully. Yeah. I, for me, the mineral aspect has ramped up a bit. Still nice and smooth and enjoyable. 
I got to say, for an afternoon smoke, this is as good as it gets. I mean, truly, like to <laughs> slot in at that moment. I, I'm I'm not at all exaggerating. See, this is surprising for this particular uh, Vitola and Marca. It's really, this commentary, is, I wasn't expecting it. Me I either. just you I know, wasn't expecting. I think of so many cigars that are not as full as I would normally go for, and then we start ta- having the conversation of all right, would this slot in the afternoon? And my answer is yes, but there's something lacking in the cigar, like the flavors so muted or mm-hmm. so mild that it's not even interesting enough to withstand an afternoon. This still has complexity to it. Yeah, this would be incredibly satisfying. I mean, I'm thinking about you know we've. Um, we were at a barbecue the other day. Like just sitting there with this would have been great for a meal. Oh, would yeah. have been incredible. Yes, I love too for the complexity and the different kind of notes that we've gotten. Mm-hmm. And I really think that this has kind of taken us on a two or three act journey so far. I think it's changing a little bit now in the last at? third. What's your what's what, what profiles are you catching? Honestly, you? I'm getting a little weather now. Yeah, that's there. it's getting a little weathery yep. for me here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still getting the earth. There's I think the sweetness is kind of ramped down. Yeah. I think that's gone, but it's a really medium-bodied affair through mm-hmm. and through. Uh, it, it hasn't ramped up in strength at all, but I think now it's settled into this leathery, uh, earthy, short bready maybe kind of amalgamation. I think it's really delicious. And this right now is pairing perfectly. Yeah, the tequila is really good with it. Right now, it's perfect. That, yeah. The nose on the tequila. Yeah. It's, it's so good. So yeah. the um, don't forget that this, the the construction of this uh, cigar, the composition of it is changing. The ring gauge is changing as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like there is there's definitely some shift, but it's very to me it's very it's subtle. And when there's what it when it's, you know when you when you taste that change, maybe the leather. It's just one of those knobs is just being amped up a little bit, but but not everything else, you know. And I think I think the blend on this, I got to give credit, I mean, for the size of the cigar, for the length of it, for the varying degrees of complexity, it's really just a brilliant blend. Yeah. And I think the fact that the, the six of us are, with all varying, you know, kinds of palates and preferences, the fact that all six of us are enjoying the cigar to some degree is kind of surprising at its age. Yeah. I mean, I do wish, like, the notes that I was getting in the first inch. Yeah had kind of continued, continued a little bit more yeah. could that pungent sweet like i missed those savory notes disappeared and, after that first inch. Yeah. yeah yeah so that would have been nice if it kind oh of continued, yeah but it's but it's not bad no yeah i did get a bit of bitter bitterness very slight bitterness i don't know right now I, uh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little more age right now or not youth, or youth. <laughs> lack of age. Yeah, I would think. I would think that the youth, if we're going to get hit with it, it's going to be in this last third. You know, um, we'll see. But I think in a couple of years, this would be a pretty good cigar. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think that this is going to age very, very nicely. Yeah. And I'm curious what's going to pop with age. You know, because this is one of those cigars. You know, Puba always says it previews. I think this cigar, the preview on this is just. Excellent, because it's not a cigar. You know, we've had young cigars or cigars that it's like, this is kind of, it is what it is, right? I think this is a cigar that you can kind of see into the future that this is going to be dynamic mm-hmm. with two, three, five, ten years of age on it. Obviously, all of those being very different experiences. And Yeah, you know. there's just something about Cuban tobacco, how it ages. It just, it develops, it gets smooth, it gets, I think sometimes it gets more complex and it just changes. It's a beautiful thing. 
I'm just amazed. I mean, I'm, I'm already thinking about the next time we're in Havana and we're in a shop. This will be the first time in my life that if I actually see a box of guava, you know, we sometimes find these Say that random boxes. Yeah. You know, we sometimes find these random boxes with age. Like last time we were there, like Rooster and I, we found like a 2017 Monty box. We're like, great, been done, mm-hmm. sold. Like, that's amazing. I'm now going to turn o- under, you know, turn over a guava box and try to find one go. of these with some age on it and just buy a single or two to enjoy in an yeah, afternoon there. Because yeah. it's funny. Think about how many times we've been in those humidors. Do you even remember seeing Kawaba? No. I don't. And they probably no. were there. They I were there. I'm sure they right were there. Yeah. I don't think we were looking for them. Of course no. not. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is like, it's like you can't really go into a store and buy a box because you can't. They, you know, you can't transact. Yeah, you can't yeah. transact. We, we found some ways around. We that. did. Yeah, we all. Which is do. also, I mean, we, we can talk about that. Control. It's it's actually <laughs> going to get more difficult transacting. You oh, know, because yeah. the Cuban government's trying to restrict the use of cash. That's right. Um, even in private businesses. So in the you know government owned businesses like the LCDH shops, um, the, the you know the the various shops there. Anytime that you've used cash, it's just you're giving that cash to uh, a Cuban. Uh, citizen who's then mm-hmm. running their own debit card to buy it and taking the cash home and putting it in the bank because sure. we can't use our debit cards there or credit cards and now i think it's going to become even more restrictive so i'm curious how that's going to change our ability to purchase in the shops when we go there um to actually get cigars it may actually make it harder yeah, things yeah. are very dynamic there it yeah. changes like monthly that's yeah. right it's constantly yeah. changing yeah i mean just look at the cuban peso when we went in march yeah it was 140 Cuban peso to a dollar. Mm-hmm. And then we heard uh, it was 170. Like on June, street, it went up to like 165, on street, yeah. 170. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now it's up to, they think it might be up to like 300 <sighs> Cuban peso to $1 in a couple of months. Wow. That, and that's, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, that's a terrible oh. inflation situation for them They're buying. Going in the buying wrong direction. Goods. Yeah. Yeah. That's really difficult for the Cuban oh. people. But as a tourist, Oh, it's yeah. it's you know. it's good for us. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a monopoly money situation. Yeah. I mean, I would bad. say I would say get all of your Cuban cigars that you can because there's, you know, inflation like that, runaway inflation in an underdeveloped country with that kind of instability never really goes well. It's mm-hmm. not good. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. Historically. It's true. it's true. Get your kawabas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually kind of serious. I know Words you are. we never thought we'd say. <laughs> so, boys, we're coming into football season now. The Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix. Incredible. So, I only saw pieces of yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't I seen it yet, by the way. watched the whole thing. You guys watched the whole thing. There's some really, really powerful stuff in that documentary. I just, we all obviously lived through this as it was happening his whole career Mm -hmm. you forget just how wild and exceptional his story is when you see it all replayed in you know just a matter of hours as opposed to over a year's time we watched that unfold i mean number one the level of talent that this guy had i mean he's the only freshman in history Mm -hmm. to win the heisman yeah in college he was incredible unbelievable he was incredible yeah the amount of money that he made Texas A&M, mm-hmm. it is insane. Yeah, they same. had a stat in there, the most that school had ever fundraised in its history in a calendar year was $300 million. When Johnny Manziel had that Heisman season, they raised almost a billion dollars. It was like wow. 700 and something million. Wow. So that kid, he didn't get a penny of it. He didn't get a penny of it. And that's where then you watch the documentary and he talks about how a fr- his good friend in college, they found ways for him to sign autographs 
and make in these money. private sure. settings sure. and make like 30 grand in a night. Wow. Imagine a college kid in a night just signing his autograph, 30 grand every single night, just all that money coming in. It's tremendous. And it's easy to sit there and criticize this kid like he's throwing away his career, or he's breaking the rules, all this. He took a school from earning 300 million a year to 700 something million a year and didn't get a damn dime of it. That's true. I mean, I'm sorry, you watch that. You can only feel bad for these athletes. And, and if he was playing today, today he'd get it. He'd yes, be rich. He would. actually sell he'd be his rich. image and likeness. Yeah, exactly. And the other crazy thing is then you watch how he got away with this stuff. <laughs> so, like, a part of, you know, obviously his whole story is like this, this tragic figure that he just is always sabotaging basically himself and his career. But that's a direct product of somehow he would get away with everything and that made him at some point just feel invincible. There's nothing he can't get away with. And listen, college kids in general, college men, how do you feel when you're in college? You feel like you're this like invincible, sure, yeah, you sure. know, superhero. And yeah. imagine, imagine on that scale, at that level, performing like he did. He was a star. That well, was really was formative. Th this is what's crazy to me. So he starts, the the, the investigators for the uh, NCAA start figuring out that he's making money on the side through these autograph things. They have to find a way to prove this. So Johnny Manziel and his buddy, these are, you know, they're not rocket scientists. These two kids come up with actually a brilliant scheme <laughs> where Johnny Manziel was giving all this money, tens of thousands a night he was earning, to his grandfather in cash. Wow, it's all his, cash. Yes, having wow. his grandfather write him checks for this same amount of money so that he could say that his he concocted this whole story that his family was super wealthy. He he grew up poor. It was like an oil thing, right? Total fallacy. His family was not wealthy at all. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought but he was cleaning the money by giving it to his grandfather, wow. having him write checks. And he said to the NCA, Wow, I have a check every every month for my grandfather for 50, 100 grand, however much. He gives me money. My family's very wealthy. And they had no way to prove otherwise. Smart. So that's how he got away with it. It was brilliant. Wow. Very smart. And then you watch, he's partying with. Floyd Mayweather oh, yeah. and oh, every yeah. actress and, mm -hmm. and athlete, and he's sitting courtside at games for, in tickets that cost $20,000. People are saying, how's this kid affording this? And the only way he could justify it was creating this narrative that his family is really wealthy, which is not the case. So it's just, the story is so wild. It's it's really well done. It's worth watching. Can't wait to watch it. So I have a question. How did, how did he get away with the volume of autographs coming out that people had, like, wasn't that a dead giveaway that this guy is signing the same footballs, the same jerseys, yeah. whatever it might be? Like, how did that not give it away? So, so People there's nothing. There's nothing um, in terms of the rules, in terms of whether or not he can sign autographs. He can sign as just many can't autographs. Take money. I see. So it's right. a money. And they thing. couldn't prove the the paper trail because it was cash. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Wild. It's mm. it's unreal. So just, the other, obviously he had some pretty pretty tough stuff in the documentary too, like. Well, even here's this. So when he's going into the, into the NFL draft, and this is a guy, he was partying, doing drugs. He, he basically admits that he had a kid on the team uh, a pee for him because they were drug tested all the time. He never, wow. never peed for himself. He was on drugs the whole time he was in college. Wow. He wouldn't be eligible to play. He had somebody else doing all the testing. Then he goes to the NFL draft, and I'm sorry, you can't get someone to pee in a cup for you. Yeah, they're a little more. To get to the NFL. <laughs> they're a little better at that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so his agent, and the agent actually is one of the best parts. This guy, I'm forgetting his name. He's one of the few guys when he met with him to try to become his agent that said, "You are not going to be a first round pick. Everyone's probably telling you that they're full of shit. No general manager is going to draft you in the first round." Which was exactly the case initially. Every GM was like, "We're not going to risk money on this kid. He's mm -hmm. a party animal. Mm -hmm. He's not taking this career seriously." And so he hires his agent and he tells him for the next three months, 
you are not going to do a single drug. You're not going to drink. You're going to just train. I'm going to have a, a, a video recording of all these workouts you're doing. We need to prove you're serious and that maybe in college you'd like to have fun, but now you know you're a grown man. You're going to the NFL. This is a different time in your life. So to Johnny Manziel's credit, he does this for almost exactly three months. The day before he's supposed to go to the combine, he goes on uh, goes to some party. Oh, he does boy. drugs. He drinks everything. Calls his agent. I fucked up. And his agent's like, "Are you kidding me? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to pee in a cup tomorrow. As soon as you get to the combine, they test you. There's no way he's gonna pass." So again, and this is how like you start to understand. It's not to justify that this kid threw his life away in many ways, but you understand kind of how he kept being enabled to think that he could get away with this stuff. So his agent comes up with this brilliant scheme where he's going to fly into the combine, physically show up there. So it's like he's not running away. He's not hiding anything. He didn't do any drugs. Shows up to the combine, has his father check into a hospital saying like oh he feels like he God. had a heart attack or something. <laughs> and then when he's at the combine, before he can stay to pee in a cup or anything, he says, he checks his phone like, oh, shoot, I got to go. Flies out to go see his father. So they have no reason to believe that he's dodging the drug test. They wow. think he's going to tend to his father. That's how he got away with the whole yeah. the whole bender. <laughs> That's some funny. Unbelievable. unbelievable. That's crazy. He wouldn't have been eligible for the draft. Yeah. It's it's a great documentary. Where was he drafted? First round, right? Uh, uh, round, yeah, round, the, at the very end, end of the first, first round. round. Yeah, Cleveland and that the Rams. agent had to beg. Yeah. Cleveland even was not going to take him at mm -hmm, first, mm -hmm. and he kept falling. And then the agent thought that Cleveland had the best chance of giving him an opportunity. Basic. I mean, they were desperate. They needed a quarterback, and so he called, gave this whole thing about how he's changed. He's a different guy all this stuff, and they bought it, and obviously it didn't work out well. I yeah. saw the, the clip, obviously, of him saying that he watched zero tape, zero seconds of tape his entire time in the right. NFL. Right, he never saw any tape. Never and watched Texas A&M beat Alabama yeah. at, at their yeah. peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was huge. In Alabama. In Alabama. That was an incredible game. Yeah. Unforgettable. What do you mean he never watched tape? He never watched tape? He, he, he never watched tape back. in college or at no, the No, at the pros. I think both. Both right? in the pros. Both. Yeah. yeah. No tape. So, so it's just talent. Yeah. Yeah. Talent and creative tenacity, right? I mean, just figuring out ways to make shit happen. I mean, you know, it's it, like, it just goes to show that if he actually focused and cared about his career, he'd be he'd still be playing. Yeah. Oh, he he was he was excellent. Yeah. In, in fact, you the know, raw like, talent was incredible. Being a Longhorn, we we missed out on him. Mm -hmm. And I was in school, 11, 12, 13, and in. 12, I think he got recruited by AM, and in 2012 was when he when they beat Alabama. Yeah, AM had just moved from Big 12 to the SEC, and uh, you know we had let go of another star, uh, another star mm -hmm. like uh, like the many before. <laughs> but he wanted to be a Longhorn. He I wanted think. to be, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. But he he was a bit short, but um, you know overall excellent, excellent quarterback. Sure, it's really amazing to me too that instead of being parental or you know like his father his grandfather playing into the scheme instead of helping this kid in college like be a better person make corrective measures like they're 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 like his father was very strict they're yeah, colluding I, I no no i will say this his parents so i i don't know that they even talk at this point his parents tried so hard to get through to him and it got so bad, they went years without speaking. They oh, just, his father, nothing would dude, work. My dad would not check in a hospital 
pretending to have a heart attack for me to get out of something. <laughs> if your son's lifelong dream was to be in, in the NFL. He would do it. I would do it. I'm and, saying my dad wouldn't do it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think most dads would is my point. <laughs> what, his, his father wanted him to play football. Of course. Yeah, of course. He wanted to get into the pros. Yeah. So. But oh, once yeah. he was in the league and he just still couldn't clean up his act and yeah. his parents tried everything. He couldn't they, be a pro. It. They just yeah. they stopped talking. They're like, nothing we are doing is getting through this guy. And they, they just kind of severed ties for years. So know? what is he doing now? Does he have any sort of... Well, he played in the Canadian League for a while. After the, after the NFL. After football? He does know. a cigar podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Johnny, what's up? <laughs> so it's a good question because the one thing that I was actually annoyed with the documentary, it ended without me yeah. being able to answer that question. Mm, no resolution. Yeah. of. Mm. I had no clue what he's doing right they now. They showed right? him hanging out with his buddies. buddies yeah, at his house. In a beautiful house, you know, with friends and he's just I chilling. mean, obviously he has more money than God, but I mean... Well, he's we don't in his know 30s that. now, right? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, no, no. He does not no, have more money than God. So that. one of the things he talks about is when he had uh, contemplated suicide and, and decided he was going to try to commit suicide, he said his goal was to spend every dollar he oh, had. Oh, my God. So I'm sure he's pissed away the vast majority of what he's made. Sure. But, you know, he's still a name. And, uh, you know, people probably pay him to show up somewhere. And, you know, and I'm sure Netflix paid him pretty handsomely for this documentary. Yeah. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. I would think, right? But I'm glad he's living, you know. Yeah, it's a tough course. it's a tough story. It's very sad. And the same wow. agent that I told you concocted that whole scheme so that he could be eligible for the draft, he left him. He really? fired his own client. Yeah. Wow. Couldn't work with them. That's pretty rare. Yep. Hmm. Well, there you go. I'm gonna have to go watch it now. I only saw oh. clips of it. I just didn't have the time. And, oh, I'm on it. Yeah, yeah, but it's a it's really interesting. Like, you know, you have these young kids who suddenly come into money, like obviously not the money they really deserve, but still a lot more money they can. I think the league needs to be better in terms of helping them cope up with, you know, these new responsibilities. They do have financial advisors now that they can tap into through the players union, I think. That's there. Yeah. The agent's name was Eric Burkhardt. Burkhardt, okay. Yeah. The other uh, Netflix show, I don't know if you guys saw it, uh, saw any of it, speaking of football, it's called Quarterback. Great. So it, yeah, it's, yeah. I actually did watch quite a bit of that because um, I think it started earlier, came out earlier than the Manziel, but it follows Patrick Mahomes, hmm. Marcus Mariota, and um, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. You like you like that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's his famous line. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Like oh, I thought you it like was Roosters. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah, very and famous. Roosters and Roosters. <laughs> you like that? You like that? <laughs> I found I, I I found that to be really fascinating. I love Kirk Cousins now. Yeah. yeah, and I think Mahomes is kind of the opposite of what we're hearing about Manziel. Oh yeah, that dude works, man. He's a pro. Yeah, he he grinds. He's a pro. He grinds, Grinder. Yeah, you got to grind. You got to grind. <laughs> you got yeah. to. Check that show out, too. Very good. It's good. The funny thing is, so they're they're going to do a second season of it. Yeah, it's a uh, Peyton Manning Peyton production. Manning. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Peyton Manning came out and said, we're, we're doing a second season. Apparently, Daniel Jones got asked to be on it, and he were, he declined. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's well, like he, watching like it's too focused. But he's a Manning disciple, though, isn't he? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it, that's got to be... Invasive, a pretty huge invasive. Huge level of distraction in the of, middle of a season to have like every moment of oh, your like hard knocks. <laughs> <laughs> the Jets will be fine. They should just send Zach over there. Listen. Yeah. Uh, have the hard, have a hard knocks <laughs> team ever done very well? No. Not that I know of. No. But they're always picking the bottom of the barrel teams. I mean, the teams that are eligible 
are well, like, the Jets are the bottom of the barrel. Are they the t- are. are the teams that like perform the worst? Of you know the what? Last they're not years. even in the barrel. They're in the dirt somewhere. But they okay. they've done under some, the barrel. They've done some acquire. You know, Don't they, be so mad, Ben. Under the widow widow <laughs> Jane barrel. <laughs> it's actually right. it's actually a punishment from the league. It's yeah, like, pretty it's much. Like, it's like. Uh, in the Premier League, when you get uh, relegated, relegated, yeah, <laughs> you're going to got to do hard knocks now, man. I don't like Goodell. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who does actually? The owners. That's the about owners. it. Yeah, yeah. they just give a lot of money. They probably money. get paid, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and you know he gets um with his new deal, he has access to the NF like a person, a private jet, jet. for the rest yeah. of his life, yeah. even after he's done being commissioner. Part of his deal is private jet access whenever he wants on demand of course. for the rest of his life. Of Not a single corporate CEO of any Fortune 100 gets company gets that. Right. And the commissioner of the National Football League, it's so ridiculous. It is. Give That's a, a pretty break. incredible perk. It's like, yeah. I want to go have lunch. There's no and... shareholders of the NFL, right? Yeah. Except just, for the owners. Just, just 30 a billionaires. Bunch billion, a bunch of billionaires. <laughs> that's a private club. <laughs> the NFL is a, is a billionaire's club. I mm-hmm. saw that the Cowboys, you know, obviously that's the number one uh, priced franchise. Yeah. Just net, you know, the value of it. I think in all of sports. Now it's $9.2 billion. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Almost $10 it's, billion. Dollars. It's just comical. You I'm know, sorry. You, you know who's going to come and buy them, right? The, the Saudis. The Saudis, yeah. Mm. Very well could be. So, boys, we're coming to the end of our evening here tonight with the Tequila Ocho Reposado, the Widow Jane version, and our Quaba Salamones. Pairing has been excellent for me, guys. Very good. I'm very, very pleased with both with both uh, tonight. Absolutely great. Yeah. What do you guys think? I want to ask Pagoda. You got some ammonia early on. How is it for you now? Because you're getting down into that thing. Not ammonia. I mean, I felt a little bit of bitterness. bitterness uh, yeah. yeah. It's... um. It hasn't been as remarkable as I, I think the first half. That's Let's fine. put it this way. Yeah. I think uh, it's really flattened out to me. Mm-hmm. Still continues with the I think the earthiness and it's becoming very um, somewhat becoming one of the, like one of those new worlds where the second half is not mm. working too much mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's my. I'll say this: the second half, I don't have an issue with writ large the the midway point i actually think was some of the most enjoyable points in this cigar the last quarter is where the youth is showing up for me yeah it, it's slightly it's a muddled, little harsh a little muddled and harsh yeah. and it yeah. has imagined it it has that yeah. thing on the front of your the front of your tongue a little tingly that's just had just mm-hmm. a little bit of like it's not pleasant just a touch of it but i'm still getting it's my cigar right now is heavily leather mm. it's like very much leather and the thing i'll say i'm not going to knock it scoring wise aggressively for that because this is a 2023 cigar yeah. almost March, any March 2023 oh, cigar yeah. is gonna in that last quarter no show doubt. its age it's almost impossible not to so the fact that three quarters of this i have enjoyed very much this is still i'm i'm very pleased overall yeah are you guys ready to do the formal liquor rating on the tequila ocho reposado yep. widow jane yep all right bam bam you're up let me take a sip so initially, I was at a six on this thing. It, really? I was early on. It just, I didn't have any ice. I put a chip. It got better. I do like the other brands or the other bottles that this maker has. So I'm going to go, I'm between a seven and an eight now. I'm And I'm closer to a seven. Uh, I'll be generous and go with an eight. Because I actually like the pairing tonight. It was beautiful. And I'm just going to judge it for what it is tonight. 
Okay. You, you were closer to a seven. How'd you get to an eight? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad well, you said that. Like I, I said, I like, like I said, I'm being generous. I'm going to be a little generous tonight. I'm at an eight. So what made you go to an eight? The pairing. He, he was at seven. He was the at pairing. seven two five. That knocked him to seven seven five, and then he rounded up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as I thought about it, you know, it paired nicely with the cigar. So I can't, you know, gotcha. for what it is tonight, it's an eight. Yeah. This is Bam Bam Maths, folks. <laughs> All right, grinder. Uh, I'm at a seven. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, I think, you know, I, th- I I'm probably not as generous as you, but a lot mm-hmm. of the same thinking in that, you know, the pairing was really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, a, it's, I don't think it's a tequila I'd drink without this pairing. <laughs> um, you know, there's other ones I'd grab instead and, you know, um, it was very enjoyable tonight. It, it, it complimented the cigar very well. And, for that reason, I'm giving it a seven. All right, Pagoda. Um, yeah, for me, it's actually a nine. I really like this tequila. Wow. Um, I like the pleasant smell. I like a little bit of the smoky and sweetness on the finish. Uh, it's uh, one of the tequilas I've really enjoyed. Uh, the one thing I don't like is uh, how I feel the day after. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but having said that, uh, you know, um, and just in terms of the flavor profile, I think it just... You know, for me, I'm I'm not a really big fan of tequilas, so it just brings back, you know, um, some of the flavor profiles of, uh, you know, liquors I would generally enjoy. So for me, it's it's, it's a nine. Hmm. Senator, um, so I'm I'm at an eight. I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm actually I enjoyed it more than I thought I would because I've had this before, not a lot of it, just a small glass. The the widow Jane barrel gives it a bit of a bite, a little a little heat, um, in a way that I'm not really used to from Tequila Ocho. What I love about this brand, if you have their regular reposado or their añejo, they're very smooth, very easy drinking. So um, I'm not usually looking for that heat from this brand, but I will say the complexity of flavor it did pair extremely well with the cigar. Um, so I'm at an eight, but the regular repo and the añejo are like nines for me. It, oh, it doesn't quite hit the same. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah I mean, th- that sums it up perfectly for me. Yeah. I, I'm also at an eight. It's a reason that I'm not going to run out and buy this versus mm-hmm. even the other tequila ochos. It's not a, not something that I'm going to really stock in my humidor at all. I, I don't know if I would put this on the table and serve it to guests other you, than the cool story. Are you keeping story. liquor in your humidor these days? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. My, <laughs> my collection, sorry. My brain is fried. Uh, but, you know, I, it's just not a tequila that I'm going to keep at the house. You know, but for what it did tonight, how it tasted, I love the brand. I thought it was great, but it, it, it uh, it's definitely an eight for me. That's a look, an eight's a great it's score. Still a great score. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I would drink it's it again easy, happily. Yeah. yeah right. So that it ends up at a flat 8.0, boys. There you go. Is the Respectable score for this. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to do the formal lizard rating now on the Kawaba Salamones? All right, Rooster, you're yeah. up. Good, good cigar and uh, pretty impressive that this is a 23. Uh, but I think a little bit of age will definitely help the cigar. The cigar started out great. I mean, I love the. I really enjoyed the floral notes and the uh, fruity notes that were coming through in the in the in the front end, but that kind of dissipated after a while. So I'm between also a seven and eight. I'm closer to an eight, but I'm going to give it a seven. Okay, <laughs> not generous. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Senator, 
Uh, I'm in the same camp in that I've been debating between a seven or an eight, but I am closer to an eight, and I'm going to give it an eight, <laughs> as one should. <laughs> um, and the reason for that, the the thing that stands out about this cigar for me is complexity. Like That's my big takeaway. I never imagined that, frankly, any Quaba is all that complex. The fact that a young Quaba, a 2023 cigar, for at least half of it, I thought was very complex. And three quarters of it, I enjoyed thoroughly. The last quarter, I did not. But I'm still going to round up to an eight because it's previewing so well that I would actually love to try this with some age. And this, for me, has made me much more now willing to smoke other Cuabas in a way I wasn't before. So for all those reasons, I'm at a solid eight. So I'm also at an eight. Um, I think previewing, I don't think it's ever going to get to a 10. That's my assumption. I'm, I think it gets to a nine with that age. I think for how it performed today, that last quarter, like if we're really being hard asses and judging it on its youth, it could be a six or seven it, with that yeah. last quarter. I don't think that's fair for the performance and, and its age and where it's at right now. I mean, think about New World cigars, how aged they are before we smoke them. So I'm hedging a little bit, but I think eight is the right number for how this this performed tonight. Construction was great. You know, we didn't even talk about the smoke output. There were a couple of times where I pushed out my draw, oh, and it was like yeah. I couldn't see you guys. Great combustion. The yeah. combustion was fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, the the construction was just excellent. Mm -hmm. um, Flavor-wise, leather is, is a note that I chase. So I was very pleasantly surprised when that came in in the second half. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, one of my favorite cigars is the Sir Winston from H. Upman. That's a core flavor note of that cigar. So I think that, for me, leather adds elegance. And I think that it, it moved this cigar from something that could be casual. I think it is an elegant medium type of smoke. And I'm looking forward to, like Senator said, trying it again in the future. How far down did you go? I went down to Is the Is that last, your stick right there? Yeah, right there. So there's about an inch and three quarter or something like that left. Okay. Yeah, this one's mine here. Hold on. Yeah, I see it. Oh, okay. So about an inch and yeah, about a little an bit inch. more than an inch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, mine's about an inch yeah. left. So that, that last that last bit really kind of started biting, but yeah. I'm not judging it on that. Yeah, I've got some Because I think in six months, I think that goes away. Yeah. All right, Pagoda. Yeah, same, seven and eight. You know, I, I, I think I'm going to end up giving it a seven, and the reason is, I'm really struggling in the last quarter with this. Um, uh, it did start off really well. In fact, I was thinking, oh, the, I, I could just envision myself on the deck smoking this. And the first, you know, when you began, they were obviously started with a little bit of floral earthiness. I think it just, the, a little bit of sweetness as well. And then it just dissipated towards the end, like I mentioned before as well. Um, I think it's a seven for me. Okay. Grinder. Uh, I am an eight for all the same reasons uh, you guys mentioned that you were eights. Um, it smoked great today. Uh, it was an eight today. And as Pooba says, it's, you know, it's previewing very, very well. Mm -hmm. And I see this as a nine in a year. And uh, it was a great cigar. And to that point, I'm actually going to mark this cigar because I have a bunch, you know, that I got at the same time. So I'm actually going to put this aside for us. I'm going to yeah. put seven aside. Nice. For future episodes. So I want to actually smoke this specific box Great idea. with time. Um, not this specific box, but another box of the same code. Obviously, there's only 10 in a box. But um, I'm going to put some aside so we can smoke this in a year or two. Hmm. All right, Bam. You're cool. Up. So it definitely started off as an eight. That first inch was was really delicious. Pungent, fruit, and floral. It's fantastic. You know, the, And that middle was very good. The complexity continued. 
But at the very end, I took it just below an inch. So the beginning for me was an eight. The end was an absolute six. That complexity for me, it did dissipate. So if I, you know, average what's the middle between eight and six, I got to go to seven. Nine. No, the middle between it is a four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing bam, bam, math. <laughs> well, that is not bam, bam, math. <laughs> it's 20 bucks a stick. <laughs> yeah. And seriously, though, I mean, if it begins at an eight and a six, I have to go to seven. Really. All right, boys. So the formal lizard rating on the Kawaba Salamones is a seven point five. Let's round up. And I, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great score for this cigar being six I months old. I never old. called for rounding up, did I? I, I think, I think, I it, think you uh, rounded up aggressively earlier. I did. I was generous. I think I it's was, a great score. I yeah, yeah, I think, I think so it's great for what it is right now. Yeah, I think it performed very well. And like we said, the pairing was great. And I think a listener hearing 7.5, I, I think that's just... To a, recommend. I think that's just counting in youth. You know, I, I think you buy these, sit on them maybe for a year instead of six months. I think you're going to get closer to a mid-eight on a rating or close to a nine with some age, like Grinder said. Um, you know, but really an excellent cigar. And being a 57 ring gauge, it's not my favorite size. So to, to have this cigar be as enjoyable as it was, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. I also want to say anyone who enjoys a Figurado... There are not many Cuban figurados, and the ones that exist, I mean, I don't think we've had great experiences with them. As much as I love Partagas, I know you you bought a, Salamo, a Partagas Salamon box a it long time ago, it was awful. and it was terrible. So I think if you like this shape, this is definitely worth trying. And I say that because I actually, when this started, I was at a nine on mm. this cigar, yeah. not an eight yeah. when it started. It's, it, and it's the end that brought me down to an fair, eight. So I, I really think if this is your shape, this mm -hmm. is a, a Cuban this is a marker that's actually done it well and yeah. that's only going to get better. So even young, I think it's worth exploring. Yeah. All right, boys. An 8.0 for the Tequila Ocho Reposado Widow Jane and a 7.5 for the Kawaba Salamone. And we will definitely be revisiting this exact code of this exact cigar at some point, which I don't think we've said before, but I think that we deserve, I think this cigar deserves a second shot with some age. Yeah, and I think you're doing, you're saying that's because it's so surprising the it positive is. commentary that we got for this and market. the previewing. It's worth looking at again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, boys, a great night. We'll see you all next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can find our merch store and ratings archive at our brand new website, loungelizardspod.com. That's loungelizardspod.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, hello at loungelizardspod.com. You can also find us on Instagram, at loungelizardspod. We really appreciate your time, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.